Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. My author today is Emily Bruin, and her novel, Small Blessings, follows the lives of two women, Rosie and Isabel, who happen to be at opposite ends of the social spectrum. So, Emily, welcome to 3CR. Hi, thanks, David. Now, this is your first book? It's my second. Second. Mm -hmm. Sorry about it. What was the first one? Hello, Goodbye, which came out in 2017. 2017, but it's Mm -hmm. your first visit to 3CR. It is my first visit to 3CR. So we missed the first one. (laughs) Negligent of us. (laughs) So, look, the best place to start with this novel is the characters themselves. Mm -hmm. So one of the first ones, Rosie, seems to face some particular disadvantages in her life. She does. Look, she has come from um, a a single-parent family and she was, uh, I suppose she was quite neglected by her mother growing up. Well, there are some dangers in that upbringing mm, as well. There are, yes. So her mother seemed to have a sort of strand of um, unsavoury men that came through the house. So it was very much about um, looking after herself from a very young age. Well, there's that suggestion of um, being a th- well, threatened. Yes, yes. In, in that so she was background. She she was, and I think she felt very threatened, and that and that came through in the way that she um, she talks about the men that came through, and and the way that she would sort of keep herself safe in the house. There's domestic violence in her own immediate background. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, there are footsteps behind her, cagey and quiet. In in the first chapter we have. Yes, yes. So we find out um, later that that is a relationship that she had uh, very early on and that's something that sort of, I suppose, has coloured her present day. Well, she's being stalked, basically. She thinks she is, yes. Well, she thinks she is. And so it's that um, threat and the fear Mm. rather than the actual... Uh, person, it's it's living with that threat and fear as well, which is the worry. Yeah, and I think that that sort of threat and that fear has really shaped the type of person that she is. You know, she's grown up with that, being a young child and being with a parent that maybe didn't care for her or look out for her the way that she has. But she's also then got a child, Petey, who's challenged. He is. So he's on the autism spectrum and he is, um, I suppose she lives for Petey. Um, and but he does present challenges to her. Sometimes living with Petey's like being on a show ride. It's hard to keep up. Um, drug use, the small weight of it in her hand is comforting. She closes her fingers around it, flattening the powder and imagines the bliss shooting up her veins, the instant release from pain. So there's that background as well. There is, and that's sort of something that I suppose the, the volatile relationship that she ended up in sort of introduced her to and um, she's fought very hard so to overcome that yes and she but she's living with that the fear um, the challenges of her son the sort of uh, experience of drug use as yes. well and has a low class job sort of day-to-day paying the bills yeah, yeah she does and someone called her a victim actually and I see her more as a survivor and a fighter she's a real fighter Rosie yes By way of contrast, then, Mm. you have Isabel who comes in many ways. uh, Well, she's now has entered a world of privilege, uh, a lawyer, she's married, 
but she has her own challenges. She does, yes. And I think, um, you know, part of those challenges are sort of we were talking a little bit about keeping up with society's expectations. And um, I think she's reached a point in her life where she's wondering whether that's what she should have been doing. Well, there's the IVF. She has the best fertility specialist money can buy. Mm. And, and that urge to have a child. Mm-hmm. I love the line, I'm just calling to check on my eggs, yeah. <laughs> sort of thing. Um, but then infidelity is part of that mm-hmm. world as well. But that's led to um, a sort of conundrum in her life, shall we say. Uh, yeah. And look, I think um, she's just, she's she's sort of gone along and, and, and worked really hard to build her career. And in the meantime, I think things have slowly unraveled a little bit and um, she's reached a point where we meet her in the book where she really has to sort of address that and decide what she wants her life to look like. Well, this is interesting because part of Isabel's agenda is this plan. She has a plan mm. for her life. She does have a plan. <laughs> but is that um, is it possible or is, is a plan a good thing to have? Is it possible to fulfil a plan given life's um, diversity? Yeah, look, it's really difficult, isn't it? I think I'm a bit of a planner, but I think we don't exist in a bubble. And so especially with Isabel, you know, things happen to the people around her that really um, pull her in different directions and directions that maybe she hadn't planned for. And one of those is her her mother falling ill. Um, Now, she's had quite an estranged relationship with her mother and this you know, her falling ill is very unexpected and it means that all of these feelings and emotions and really a lot of things that happened in her past she's now going to have to deal with. Well, I mean, we've got Isabel's immediate past. Are you able to tell us anything about her dark secret or not? Her dark secret, as in the... As in um, Bernard? Um... Oh, yeah, <laughs> Bernard. And, and what resulted? <laughs> yeah, look, um, Bernard is... Um, I don't want to give it too much too away. Too much away. But uh, he is a colleague and um, I suppose there was, I'm not even sure how to put it, maybe a glitch in her plan um, that comes back to haunt her. Which, come, which, which comes back to haunt her, basically, again, raising that notion of how much of our lives we should accept mm. uh, for, what, for what it provides as opposed to how much we can then organise and plan yes. events in our lives. Yeah, yeah. Um, etc. So there's there's that. But then, as you've already mentioned, that you flesh out the background mm. of the lives of both Rosie and Isabel. Yeah. How much then are our lives determined by our upbringing? I've always said, you know, it's my parents' fault. Mm. But <laughs> I think we all do, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> but, but how much um, are we in charge then of our own lives? How mm. much is our upbringing um, sort of responsible for the shape of mm. the lives we lead? Yeah, look, I think Rosie is really, um, you know, like I said, she's a fighter and she's determined to separate herself from the sort of the tough upbringing that she had and, and to make a different life for herself and for her son. So she's working very hard to do that. Whereas I think Isabel for a long time still feels the victim of her upbringing. Well, there's a sense of shame and a humiliation. Mm. She's won a scholarship, yep. but then she doesn't fit in socially that's, to the peer group. That's right. So she uh, she's, she wins a scholarship to a, a nice private school coming from a working-class background, and 
it sort of doesn't matter really what she does or how hard she works, she just doesn't quite fit in. Mm. And I think there's a sense of hurt and shame around that. Well, that her she... mother's appearance at school events, the, her mother's hands and all of these sorts yes. of things, which are working class, yes. basically. Yep. But these two lives converge and that's where we get to the, the crux of, mm. I guess, what the novel's about. I mean, we have a scene on page 61 where uh, the two worlds come together, Isabel and... Um, Rosie. Mm-hmm. Isabel glances at the young woman's boots as she grabs at her son under the rowboat. They're black chunky like the ones her father used to wear to work. They lace halfway up her shin tight in comparison to the sloppy khaki jacket covering the top half of her. She's speaking too loudly. Isabel clicks her tongue. The boy is obviously petrified. She can tell by the way his hands grip his pants when he emerges. She used to do the same, hold onto her school dress for all it was worth, as if it would save her. He is the blondest child she's ever seen, hair like snow, skin like bone china. His eyes are the exact opposite, so dark they might swallow her. He's odd too in a way she can't put her finger on, dreamy, as if he's watching a play in his head. He's probably one of those modern-day defiance disorders caused by too much sugar and screen time. It makes her mad. The boy starts crying, thrashing his arms about in an attempt to break free from his mother. If he was my child, he wouldn't be wandering around the lake on his own. Outrage rises in her throat, sharpening her voice. Something's terribly wrong with the question in front of her. A woman incapable of caring for a child shouldn't have one. The injustice of it stings before the righteousness sets in. (laughs) Isabel is passing judgment, but Mm. there's a problem in many ways with this scene. Would you care to sort of... um, expand on, I mean, Isabel passing Mm. judgment to begin with. She's passing judgment and I think what she's doing is something that we all do and that is we bring our own experiences and our own views and our own values and beliefs to the situation. She doesn't know Rosie. She doesn't understand what she's going through or what she deals with on a daily basis. All she knows is that she... She's working very hard to have a child. She feels that she deserves one. She feels that she can bring one into the world. And so, you know, she is passing judgment. But it's indicative of society at large, Mm. really, about the expectations. I mean, Isabel's expectation to fulfil a role, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 2.5 kids, white picket fence and all of that sort Mm. of thing, Um, judgment about people who have working-class jobs and such like. So, you know, the two worlds don't really appreciate Mm, what each is going through. And in a way I think Isabel is even sort of – her judgment is even um, more stringent in that she has come from – she's intent on sort of pushing her past away, which was working class. And so I think that comes to that situation as well, that sort of rejection of her past and makes her even more judgmental. Possibly. But, but also this notion, if I had a child mm. and how I would raise the child. Yes. But anyone that's raised children knows it doesn't go to plan. It definitely doesn't go to plan. I can vouch for that. I have two. <laughs> and, of course, they're lovely children they and, and perfect little cherubs who are listening in as you speak at this sure. moment sort of thing. But, yeah, the stigma... Uh, how much are we then driven? I mean, mm. how much are Rosie and Isabel driven by... That social expectation. Oh, look, I think I, f- I feel like Rosie is, um, I think I feel that Rosie isn't so driven by that social expectation. Although there is, I mean, we have uh, emerging crises. We have Petey disappearing. Yes. And so there is the media 
there are uh, the parents, there are the neighbours, mm. all sort of passing judgment. Yes, and so I think there's that, that sort of growing pressure on her. Um, so once she is sort of pushed out and or forced out into the world when Petey goes missing, um, there's a realisation that she has to sort of step up and meet some of these expectations because if she doesn't, then um, people may think the worst of her and that may impact on what's happening with Petey. But there's the way the police treat the investigation. Yes. There's the way the journalists sort of portray the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Isabel's initial view mm. of, of Rosie is one way of looking mm-hmm. at it, but then these social sets, so to speak, again, yeah. imposing judgment. Yeah. Yep. You've got all that. And then you've got Isabel's uh, sort of ongoing challenges, pregnancy challenges, which lead to um, a, well, friction, shall we say, mm. with, with the husband. And, and what say does the partner have mm. in this sort of um, need to have a child? Mm. Look, I think it's, you know, I, su- I suppose I, I did try to see it a little a bit from both sides in that Isabel um she's a very she knows what she wants she's a very strong person and she wanted to pursue a career desperately afraid that she would end up like her mother who was a lovely beautiful woman but very working class and Isabel really doesn't see the values in her um so she you know put off I suppose having having children for a long time when her partner wanted them um and that has caused some sort of friction in their relationship that just, you know, plots along for the years. But it's it's also this notion of being individually oriented Mm. uh, and yet we live in a community. Yes. And for for each and every one of us, it's it's the major challenge. Yeah, yeah. So what then are the small blessings? Because that's the title and it's sort of ironical in many ways. Yeah. Look, I think the small blessings, I don't think... Either of them see the small blessings for a long time. I think they're sort of just struggling to survive or or to move forward. For me, um, really, you know, the small blessings come towards the end of the novel when there's a a slow realization of um, the things that maybe they need to appreciate. In well, life. you you have Rosie with the challenge of raising Petey. Yes, but Isabel desperately wanting a child. Mm-hmm. So the challenges of raising a child. Yeah, are a small blessing in many ways. Yeah, especially yeah. if you haven't got one, mm-hmm. so yes. to speak. So there's this that that's what that convergence does with those two characters. Yeah, I think. yeah. And I think once you 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 are at threat of losing something, um, you realise really, you know, just how much. I mean, it's an old cliche. How much they mean they mean to you, or those things mean to you. Um, so I suppose that. For me, it's a small yeah. blessing. And uh, Rosie, um, in many ways, having been a drug addict, mm. she could have lost her life mm-hmm. and now she's got a life to lead. Yeah. Um, so, you know, how do we portray those, the challenges, the reality yeah. of, of the lives we lead? Mm. And I think just looking at the, you know, the not the big picture things but the small things. So Isabel talks about at one point, um, you know, just watching um, Petey throw a ball to the dog and how that brings her a sense of calm and a sense of connection and a sense of feeling anchored. And I think, you know, that that is a small blessing, just those small realisations that maybe when you're too busy and life speeds up um, that you just you fail to notice. Well, yeah, there's the beauty of that moment mm. contrasted then with Petey disappearing mm. and, and the sheer horror. Mm-hmm. So life uh, parenting has those... 
extremes. So, you know, a, a spectrum of, of um, sort of emotional response yeah. there. Yeah, that's it does. Well, the novel, Jan, was Small Blessings. The uh, author, Emily Bruin, her second book. Mm -hmm. uh, so hopefully we'll get more uh, books and further interviews. I, I need to ask a question, Emily, yes. about your book. Your two female mothers or mothers to mm -hmm. want to be, yes. are they of a similar age? They're actually not. So there was a review recently that... Um, thought that they were both middle-aged but in uh, Rosie is sort of in her mid-20s and Isabel is in her 40s so yeah, yeah they aren't yeah, I didn't pick up on that oh yeah. that's an important one yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of different feelings you know the uh the the, the whole thought about motherhood is yes very different at those ages yes yeah hmm. yeah that's interesting that you actually picked that up because that was something that I noticed in a review the other day that there was um they, there was a thought that they were probably around the same age. But it, what's interesting is then uh, Isabel ends up sort of helping. Oh, don't tell the end, no, I'm not No, it's not the don't ending, the end. but there, there is a convergence. That <laughs> convergence develops. It's not necessarily the ending mm. as such. There's things to go on and challenges that ahead that have to be faced. But the, the two worlds come closer and closer together, which mm. is interesting. But as I said, small blessings. It's an Alan and Unwin release, oh. Jan. 